This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. What is this religion? What is this religion that Palestinians have in their hearts that when they're martyred, it is the last thing they make mention of? What is this religion that you see women covering up for and men growing long, messy beards for? What is this religion that the janitor comes to the front of the room to lead the prayer and the CEOs and the businessmen are at the back joining the prayer? What is this religion that hundreds of thousands of people across the globe, thousands of miles apart, are converting to with nothing in common except this one religion? What what is it? What is this religion? Because if I weren't Muslim and I saw everything that I just said, I would want to know what that religion is too. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Hippie Art Podcast. If you're new here, this is a podcast where I just talk. Believe it or not, that's it. (laughs) That's it. Uh, But I try to involve the Islamic perspective into it. And you know, I've been doing that for the last 20 videos or so. But I never made a video about Islam. Which is quite embarrassing for me because a lot of non-Muslims watch me, which I love. And also a lot of Christians watch me, which I really love. But I never made a video about just Islam, an introduction to Islam. So today I wanted to do that because a lot of people are seeing the things that are unfolding in Palestine, in Gaza. And they're seeing this sheer and utter determination and strength that the Palestinians have that you don't see anyone else having ever. Like you've never seen this determination in one's eyes ever, except in the people of Palestine. And I think the people of Palestine are a gift from Allah because they're honestly, if I am being honest, they're like the face of Islam. If I were to ever give Islam a face in this day and age, it would be the Palestinians. Just to preface this video, I wanted to say that this video is not to convert anybody. It isn't. It's not coming with the intention of converting people. It's just that people are, you know, interested in Islam. There More people are showing interest in Islam, and rightfully so, I mean, when you see what's going on. Honestly, the only point of this video is to leave you with new information about Islam 
or to at least resolve a misconception that you had about Islam or anything like that. It's honestly a friend to a friend just talking about Islam. It's not here to pressure you like, convert, convert right now. You can chill. You can chill. I'm just a friend telling you about Islam because it's very misunderstood. It's really so sadly misunderstood because Islam is so beautiful and it hurts us Muslims when we see people using it in in like a really bad light, in a bad way for their malicious intent. It hurts us. It doesn't hurt us, like it doesn't affect us, but you know, it's like our duty as Muslims to defend it. So I'm going to try to do my best today to give you a good introduction to Islam. And if there's any flaws, it's on my part. But Islam is truly a perfect and just flawless religion, in my humble opinion. <laughs> now, I have thought about this video for about two weeks. I spent two weeks looking at a Word document, staring back at me, and I'm like, what do I want to say? Because this is not a normal video. An introduction to an entire religion that has two billion people around the world. It's, it's intimidating. So I was thinking about this for two weeks. I even filmed a video that I was going to upload last week, but I didn't like it. I didn't think it was good enough. And I really don't think, like, it's not coming from a subjective point of view. It's just this objective of showing the world Islam is really not an easy task. You know, so I wanted to do a good job. I wanted to spend some time on it. And I'm going to try to do my best. Now, I asked my mom, I asked my grandpa, I asked as many people as I could. If you were to give one message to the world about Islam, you know, for non-Muslims and Muslims alike, what would it be if you could give one message to the world? And I wanted to see what they would say so I could have an idea. You know, how could I start my video so brilliantly so that everyone can listen, non-Muslims and Muslims, because I want everyone to listen. And then I realized the answer was staring me in the face this entire time. You know, as human beings, we fall short on a lot of things. And my motivation was to just make this amazing first impression, almost a godly first impression, like a, a, not from a human touch, you know. And I realized it's not my job to do that. It's the Quran's job to do that. The answer this entire time was in the Quran. Because when you open the Quran, this is the Quran. When you open the first page, the first chapter that you see is called the opener, Al-Fatiha. And the opener is kind of welcoming you into the book. Because as Muslims, we believe that this book is a divine book. This is purely the words of Allah, our creator. And so it's not a regular, normal book, you know? It's a book that has chapters and everything, but it's not, you know, divided in the way that you think, and in, in, in a way that you think is organized or makes sense because it's not written by a human being. Because it, it, you, you can tell it's not written by a human being, but I'm going to talk about that later in the video. Um, but Al-Fatiha, the opener, begins with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the name of the most compassionate the most merciful Th these are the first words when you open the Quran and I think that's 
the first way you need to encounter a non-Muslim when you're talking about Islam is that we believe in the most compassionate, the most merciful. Now that's the first verse of the chapter. And in fact, every chapter starts like that, except for one chapter in the Quran. Every chapter starts with Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim in the name of the most compassionate, the most merciful. And that in and of itself should go a long way in telling you who we worship, who we believe in, in the name of the most compassionate, the most merciful. And then the chapter, the opener, keeps going and it says, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All praise is due to the Lord of the universe. And you know, one interesting thing is that um, there have been books that recently emerged in the 21st century that talk about the importance of gratitude. And they talk about how, you know, in order to live a fulfilling life, in order to live a, a life that's worth living and just, you know, you are excited to wake up to, be grateful. You know, practice gratitude in your day-to-day life. There are, and I've seen these books, you know, where they, where you have a gemstone and you tell your gemstone, I'm grateful for this and I'm grateful for that. And I'm, and I actually did it when I was 12 because I thought the secrets were in those books. I was like, this is the secret to life. Yeah. Okay. Gemstones are the secret to life. And I didn't know that was, um, not okay in my religion. (laughs) I'll talk about that later, but you know, it's not, we can't just talk to gemstones and say thank you all thanks and praise is due to Allah the most high lord of the universe we can we cannot encompass the universe what is the universe our minds are only so capable of encompassing this world as a whole what even is this universe and he is the lord of the universe so um gratitude is the first thing mentioned in this book you know it starts with in the name of the most compassionate and the most gracious and merciful. All praise and all gratitude is due to the Lord of the universe. It starts with gratitude. Alhamdulillah. Anytime anything happens to a Muslim, what do we say? Alhamdulillah. All praise is due to the Lord. All praise is due to Allah. Alhamdulillah. Hamd is praise and thanks and gratitude. Hamd is like you owe everything back to Allah. And I just, I didn't know that's what my religion was until I opened the book and I realized this was the first chapter and it just does, it does such a beautiful job of introducing Islam to a non-Muslim. And then the next verse goes, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most compassionate, the most merciful, or the most gracious and the most merciful. So far, these three verses are mind-blowing. To be, to, to say the least, are really mind-blowing. Because you start with, in the name of the most compassionate, the most merciful, all praise is due to you, Lord of all of the worlds, of the universe. You are the most compassionate and the most merciful. Now this is how the Quran starts. This is how the book starts. So far it has just talked about mercy and compassion and gratitude and thanks. 
And then people come and they say that we are a terrorist religion. And that we worship like a devil. And that we, you know, are oppressed and we're extreme. And that we worship a God that loves to torture people. Our, our book starts with the most compassionate, the most gracious. We worship the most compassionate, the most gracious. End of statement. That's it. Okay, so the next verse talks about Maliki Yawmiddin. Now, before that we said Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. The most compassionate, the most merciful. And also, he is the master of the day of judgment. Maliki Yawmiddin, the master of the day of judgment. Now, this is, I think, what separates the believer from the non-believer. Not the Muslim from the non-Muslim, but the believer. You know, the, the, the Muslims and the Jews and Christians alike. Is that they believe in a day of judgment. We believe in a day of judgment. A day where everyone is going to be responsible for everything that they did in this life. Where they're going to be held accountable for everything that they did. But you know, what's interesting is before... Allah says Maliki Yawmiddin, the master of the day of judgment. Allah says Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, the most compassionate, the most merciful. So by default, Allah is saying, I am the most compassionate, the most merciful. You know, but I'm also the master of the day of judgment. But I'm merciful and I'm compassionate. You know, so the believers don't really need to worry because they know I'm compassionate. They know I'm merciful. But we really do believe in a day where Everyone is going to stand in front of Allah and be accountable for everything that they did. You know, and it depends on Allah on whether to forgive that person because he is the most compassionate, the most merciful. Or to make that person pay for what they did. And this is a very good example of what is happening right now. A lot of people want the wrongdoers to pay for what they're doing. And they will. They will, one day, they will. On the day of judgment, that day, they will pay for what they did. So we're not really worried as to justice taking place on this earth. I mean, we're trying as hard as we can as a whole world and as a whole globe. But, you know, people can get away with things in this world. But on that day, no one gets away with anything. And that's, you know... It lets a person sleep at night, to be honest. <laughs> but really, it's it's important because a lot of people get cheated in this world, and that's not okay. And so that's why such a day exists. And then, after that verse, it says, You alone we worship, and you alone we seek help. Now, this goes back to worshiping idols you know at that time people used to worship idols at the time of the prophet so you know to have all of your worship and asking for help go to one god was like unheard of at the time you know they had many different gods for many different things and even now like like the gemstone example i mentioned in the beginning People rely on so many different things and they ask different things thinking like, this is the source. Let me ask the universe. Let me ask rocks. Let me ask this stone. Let me ask this idol. You know? But then, the Quran came down and says, 
You alone we worship and you alone we ask help, we seek help. And this is also, this goes back to when we seek help as Muslims, like when we get an injury or something, we're not going to just ask Allah and call it a day. We're going to ask Allah for the injury to heal and then we're going to go to the doctor, you know. And nowadays, people don't, people kind of dismiss that. They just go to the doctor immediately thinking like the doctor has special magical powers that will heal them. But no, a real Muslim asks Allah first and then they do what they can to actually make the situation better. Because it's about kind of sending off a prayer and then doing what you have to do. It doesn't come with just sending a prayer and then sleeping, thinking that it's going to happen. You know, you have to be proactive. You have to actually, in Arabic, it's itba'al asbab. You have to kind of follow, follow the procedures to take you to where you want to be. Basically, be proactive. And then after that verse, this is the last verse and then this is where the opener closes ironically <laughs> guide us along the straight path now there's something interesting in Arabic done here and it's that it says guide us like along slash on the straight path like put us on the straight path you know and not it doesn't say guide us to the straight path like at some point in the future we will get to the straight path no guide us on it along it right now right here you know because once we see that Allah is the king of kings and the most high the most compassionate the most merciful Halas, we're practically almost on the straight path already. We just have to be on it till the end. Because, like, what's the point if you're on it and then at the end you kind of slip up and, well, you're not on it anymore. You know, so that's why we want to be on it till the end. Till we kind of pass this world. Because that's what matters most. Now, this is the interesting thing about the surah. al-mustaqim <laughs> The path on which you have sent your blessings. Unlike the people that you have anger towards. Or the people who are ignorant. Or who are led astray. And this is referring to the two religions. Judaism and Christianity. Now, Judaism is special in that it was the first monotheistic religion to come about. And so that's what makes it special. I would actually argue Islam isn't special. Islam just kind of continues what Judaism and Christianity were preaching, what they were all about. Islam kind of came to cap that off, you know, to send the last revelation that's unchanged to fix everything that was done before. And the thing about the Jews in history, the Israelites, and you can see this when you read the Quran, is that they knew the truth and they actively ignored it. They actively chose to disobey and not follow it. So that's why it says, Those who have earned Allah's wrath. 
And then when we come to the Christians, it's a little bit of a different story because it's not as extreme as the Jews where they just decided not to. It's like, no, they actually really wanted to follow the truth and they had it in their hearts. But with time, Jesus was no longer a prophet. He became a God, the son and the God himself. You know, they kind of morphed this prophet into some sort of trinity. And now they believe in the God, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so they had the spirit of wanting to be led to the truth. But with time, the kind of the entire ideology started to fall apart and it became more confusing with time. So Islam came to cap all of that off and say, there is one God. All of these that were sent are messengers. None of them are gods. They're humans just like you and me. And you just have to follow God. You have to obey God. You have to read the book. You have to follow the book. And you have to listen to what all the prophets were trying to say. That's it. it there's no, you know, kind of weird, I would say, scheme and how to follow or who to listen to or what to feel. No, it's just there's one God. End of story. You know? And so I think the opener is so perfect and concise and even precise in telling you what Islam even is. It has a God that is the most compassionate, the most merciful. He is the master of the day of judgment. He alone we worship and we seek help. So put us on the straight path of yours, O oh Allah, because we want to reach you on the day of judgment. Not like those before us. Not like the Jews and the Christians where their religion started to fall off and fall apart. You know, so guide us on the straight path to you, Ya Allah. It's so beautiful. It's so concise. And honestly, I'm not here to debate about, you know, the whole Christianity Trinity thing. I think it's a really interesting topic. But, like, I have Christians that watch me and I honestly really respect them. So I'm not, I'm not even going to, like, go deep into that. I think that would, I would put that in a different video at some point in the future. But it's just to show how there's actually a lot of similarity between um, Christianity and Islam. I wouldn't argue that there's so much uh, commonalities between Judaism and Islam. But between Judaism and Christianity, there is. Christianity is the one that's connected to both. But what I love about Islam is that it's kind of a mix of both religions, both Judaism and Christianity, because Judaism came with a lot of commandments, a lot of rules. And I'm talking like a lot. Okay, it's not a joke. When uh, I was today, I was looking at the six hundred and thirteen commandments, just to see what Judaism is about. Because I'm, I honestly want to look more into these Abrahamic religions, but it's just a lot. Okay, so I can't imagine how it was back then. And Christianity is a very love-based religion. Their religion is very deep rooted in love. You know, love thy neighbor, turn the other cheek love people like it's a religion of love you know they say god is love not all of them say that but they really believe love is the answer and so i i think islam is kind of both intertwined together like we have love the quran starts with the most compassionate the most merciful we worship and we follow a purely loving god a god that wants us all to succeed you know and we believe in loving our neighbors and we believe in spreading love, but at the same time, we also have rules. 
but the thing is not as extensive as Judaism did. We have rules that allow us to build and develop cities and develop ourselves and societies and expand and go further as a nation with time. It doesn't put a cap on that. So I think it's it's a beautiful, as Hannah Montana would say, a best of both worlds. It really is. Now, the question begs itself, why Islam in the first place? Why is there even Islam in the first place? In fact, why is there even religion in the first place? You know, let's let's keep it within the realm of Abrahamic religions. Why do they even exist in the first place? Well, first and foremost, you have the evidence of the amount of corruption spread in the land. And a lot of people like to argue that, okay, it's God who put that there. It's God who put all of these nasty people in power. It's God who, who, who made all of these poor children exist in Africa. You know, it's God who, who just let all of this bad stuff happen. And it's, it really couldn't be further from the truth because God gave us all the resources. God gave us everything that we need as human beings to survive on this earth. We have everything that we need as an entire globe of people it's not god god gave us everything we need we're the ones we're the reason that everything is the way that it is now we're the reason that corrupt people are in power we're the reason that poor people and hungry starving people on the streets exist we're the reason we have enough food we have enough resources we have enough water we have everything we're the reason and then add on top of that loose desire people just going rampant on what they feel is right in the moment i mean listen i'm not judging but i'm judging look at the state of america right now no i'm kidding i'm judging very hard <laughs> look at the state of america right america is what happens when you let people just run loose on their desires and it's honestly it's not looking very pretty if i'm being really severely honest it's not a pretty truth. I'm being really harshly honest. It's not it's not a pretty sight when people just like run loose on what they feel is right in the moment because it's freaking scary and it can get scary really fast and really ugly really fast. And so that's why there has to be discipline in place. That's why there has to be regulations in place. It's like exercise and food. You know that in order to maintain a good healthy functioning body you need to exercise and you need to eat well i'm not saying it's fun to do those things but you have to do those things in order to have a good functioning body and the same goes for the soul the same thing goes for the mind in order to have a good functioning soul you need to make it do the things that are good for it despite you liking it or not it doesn't matter but one of those things is definitely not doing what you feel like in the moment. Definitely not. In fact, that's kind of like the opposite of what it does. It's, it's kind of like, what's the opposite of antidote? Dope. I thought that was super clever. I thought that was so funny. Anyway, it's just like, if you, if you want to like break your soul really fast, do whatever you feel like in the moment. And then do it forever. Like, if you feel like sitting on your bed for 20 hours watching Netflix, do it. Do it. Who's keeping you? Who's keeping you? Do it. But Islam and these religions came in place to say, no, you're greater than that. You have a greater purpose. 
You are worth way more than that. And we gave you a mind. We gave you a body. We gave you a functioning, beating heart and a working brain. Use it. Use it for something better. Use it for something something you can't even imagine in this moment right now. And you know, the thing about Islam specifically is that it requires a lot of humility. Because... Because you can't pray five times a day if you're not coming to Allah humble. You can't read Quran and and you know expect to understand if you're not coming to it humble. You can't treat people with kindness if you're not coming to it with humility. You can't you can't do these things. It requires humility to the finest degree. And I'm not saying full, absolute, 100% humility. We all have a little ego in us. And that's what we're trying to combat. But the Islam is, is just all about humility. We're coming, standing in front of Allah five times a day. Five times a day. Reciting the opener. Reciting the opener that I just talked about. And making, you know, forms of supplication and, and, and just following through with the prayer five times a day and for what for why are we doing this like what is the reason we're doing it to this extent as i said you have to feed the soul and it might not be the things that you want like praying five times a day it might not be the thing that you want in fact you might think it's kind of annoying or like excessive but i can't stress how much you need it because in the Quran, Allah says in one verse that I love, it says, So where are you going? Islam teaches us where we're going 24-7. It reminds us where we're going 24-7, 365, infinity. It reminds us where our destination is and where we came from all the time. It never, it never makes us forget. That's why there's so much humility in where you and how you lead about your day, and how you treat your parents, and how you are supposed to hold on to kinship ties, and how you have to make peace with your family, and how you have to make peace in the neighborhood, and in society, and in the workplace, and at school, everywhere. You have to make a, a peaceful working environment to develop on the individual level and scale to the societal scale and that's not easy to wrap your head around because we only think individually like okay but what about me you know what about how, how like my life is going and where i'm going later and no we think about everyone everyone as a whole as a society we treat other muslims like we it's really sister to sister brother to brother like we're actually sisters and brothers all together and so there's a lot of humility in islam the type of humility that when you walk into the prayer room you see all of the people that you see are looked down on in society in front of the room leading the prayer like the janitor like like the one who cleans the dishes in the front of the room leading the prayer. Islam dismantles the idea of class. Islam breaks everyone down simply 
to their good deeds and nothing else. Like, you're white, good for you. What did you do today? You're black, good for you. What did you do today? It, do it does not look at who you are and where you came from. It simply cares about what you did and where you're going. And we talk and we think about that all the time, constantly. Where are you going? We always supplicate, we always make prayer. Allah, give us a good life here and give us a good life in the afterlife. Because we know that's our destination. We know that's where we're ending up. But if a non-Muslim were to think about the question, so where are you going? And they had to sit with that question and ponder it. I don't think they would reach a very good conclusion. Or at least a comforting conclusion. And at the end of this, it might be all a lie. Like, oh, religion was just a big lie. And when we all die, we all die. There's no afterlife. But then that's what separates the Muslim from the non-Muslim, is that Muslims at least tried. They led a good life. Most Muslims, they lead really good lives. They treat people with kindness. They make sure that their environment and where they are is functioning and peaceful and clean and working. Muslims are very proactive people. And it's like, it's so beautiful to see. And I'm not going to see her like, oh, but this generation is like, no, no, I believe in our generation. I have so much belief. Muslims are... Muslims are like a beacon of light in this world. And you can see it on their faces. Don't even like talk about what they did. You can see it on their faces. When they smile at strangers and when they're doing a task. And you can tell there's peace inside of them. This is the peace. This is the peace that we wear the hijab for. This is the piece that men grow really long beards for. This is the piece that when Palestinians are martyred is what they taste. They don't taste any bitterness or pain or fear. They taste peace. We all Muslims, we taste peace, but you can't see it. You see oppression, but it's peace. Because peace is in the heart. You can't see peace. Peace is an abstract thing. It's in the heart. And we became so materialistic nowadays. And in the name of science, so empirical that we want to say that if I can't see it, it's not there. But that's not true. Because peace is there, but you can't see it. But it's this thing that I wouldn't trade for anything else in the world. It's this peace that you actually have to fight for. It's not a peace that you get, you know, just from time to time. It's a peace that you commit your life for. Because that sweetness of peace and tranquility and knowing where you're going and knowing where you're headed... It's something that you can't trade for anything else in the world. This makes me emotional because, because it's this peace, you know, that makes me smile when I'm in a traffic jam. 
or it's this piece that makes me feel so calm in times of distress and anxiety and feeling like I'm losing control. It's this piece that really grounds me and reminds me who I am and who I worship and what my life even is. And Because if you lose yourself, and I've been there before, and I know, I remember what it was like to not have that piece or have a part of it being taken because I wasn't committing. I didn't really care. I thought these these were just excessive practices that, you know, it's a, it's a very extremist religion. Like, do I really have to pray five times a day and and all of that stuff? And without realizing it, like that, I lost my peace when I started getting shaky in my practices. But then when I came back, it was like this hole inside my chest that that filled like nothing else. Like it blossomed like it was empty for so long but then it blossomed and I slept at night smiling I slept at night just like okay with the fact of whatever happens tomorrow I die tomorrow I'm happy I live tomorrow I'm happy there's this there's there's this hole in the heart that has to be filled somehow and you can't use you know, other materials and substances to try and fill it because it's because then it's gonna break. It's not going to, it's not going to fill it properly. It's gonna be maybe a temporary fix, like oh, I'll do this now because it's, you know, because it's, it's fun and I'll be happy if I do it. But when you do the things that you don't want to do but you need to do, that's what really that's what really fills the hole in the heart. Because the heart is such a precious thing and Islam talks about the heart all the time and it's this vessel that if it's not fed properly, you're going to have a really hard time. Because <laughs> when it's filled, like you don't want a life back when it was unfilled. Because when it's filled, you know just how valuable it is and how much you never want to let it go. So that's why you see some women when they're wearing hijab and they feel ready to cover their faces like, you know, the naqab. It's because they want more of that peace, more of that feeling. And it's like a commitment. They tasted the sweetness, they want more of that sweetness. And then people look at it on the outside and they say, she's oppressed. But deep down, she's the happiest woman in the world. Now let's go to a different topic. What makes Islam even more beautiful is the fact that we have a role model in this earth that has graced this earth that we don't need to try hard to think about how we're going to go about things, how we're going to pray, how we're going to supplicate, how we're going to treat family members, how we're going to be like in the workplace. We don't need to think about any of it because we have our last and final messenger, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Peace and blessings be upon him. Now, he's a messenger like all messengers before him. Just like Jesus, just like Moses, just like Noah, just like Abraham, just like David, just like 
um, Solomon, just like all of these messengers before him. All of them. He's a messenger. We don't treat him as like a separate God. He's a messenger, but he's the last and final messenger. And you know, each messenger was sent to a specific people. The last and final messenger, Muhammad sallallahu was sent to all the worlds. Lil'alameen, all the worlds. That's why he has a certain specialty to him and a certain uniqueness to him. And he's held such a high regard is because his task was not simple. It is not simple to spread this book to the entire world. And yet he managed to do it by the will of Allah. And so we follow in his footsteps, we follow in his way because we believe that his life is like the way to get as close to Allah as possible. If we do what he did, we will be close to Allah. Because his life was documented very well to the T. His life was documented extremely, almost freakishly well. It's scary how much his life was documented. you know. And Allah sent him as a mercy to the world. Because Allah didn't want Islam to be like a guessing game. Like, oh, what do we do in this situation? Uh, what do we do here? Um, the Quran says this, but I'm not sure what to do in this situation. We don't have to guess anything because everything was already spelled out in the life of the Prophet ﷺ. Every circumstance that you can imagine came about and the Prophet said something about the situation that we can apply today. And that's what we call the ahadith. You know, the sayings of the Prophet ﷺ. So that's why we use the way of the Prophet ﷺ. And everything that he said, second to the Qur'an. It comes second in place right after the Qur'an. When we're making rulings, when we're figuring out what to do in certain situations. Because the Qur'an doesn't cover everything. It, it can't cover everything because it's 600 pages. There's nothing that can cover everything. Otherwise, it's an infinite amount of pages. But... The life of the Prophet did a really good job of covering almost everything. His entire life was dedicated to teaching people how to follow Islam. And it was, it was recorded like it was for a reason. you know. So that's why we use both to try and be on the straight path. That's what Islam is. It uses the Qur'an. And it uses what is called the ahadith of the Prophet So that we know how to follow Islam properly. That is Islam in a nutshell. But I would say for anyone who is actually interested in Islam, to read the Quran. Even if it's in English, even if it's in a different language, it doesn't really matter. Because the Quran is not a normal book. We do not believe it to be a normal book it's a heavenly divine book sent by Allah from Allah's words it's not a normal book so for anyone who is interested in Islam or to even learn more about Islam you know not even with the intent of converting but when you read the Quran that's this is Islam that's it Islam is the book because everything outside of it that isn't in the book or isn't in the hadith that I just talked about is not really Islam. It's just fed propaganda and the West has been trying to do 
you know, an extensive job at trying to basically bash down Islam, you know, to this terrorist organization when we're two billion people around the world who have families who are normal human beings. And they're not doing a very good job because the Palestinians are proving them otherwise. And they're proving them very well otherwise. And the Palestinians are doing what all Muslims wish to be doing themselves. Is to show the world true Islam. Because when you see Islam for what it is, there's nothing more beautiful than it. Nothing comes close. Because it's just... It's out of this world. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. So if you guys haven't done so, you guys can pick up a Quran and just see what it has to offer. Because it is... What does it not offer, you know? But the beautiful thing about it is that it's just one version. There are no versions. You know, there are different translations, but in Arabic, it's just one version. Because it's just one Quran, you know? No versions. I feel like I'm throwing so much shade at other religions. I'm sorry, but really, it's just one version. That's how you know it's true. It's just one version. And yeah, and that's it. Anyway. I hope this was uh, a, an ample introduction to Islam. I didn't cover so many things because I didn't want it to be heavy. I wanted it to be digestible, absorbable. Yeah, that's a word. Um, and until next time, I hope I upload next week. We'll see what happens. Life might just throw something my way and we'll see what happens. Until then, alhamdulillah, praise be to the most high. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Bye-bye. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.